Second Kings chapter 2 and verse number 9 reads like this. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Welcome to Double Portion Podcast. Aggravating circumstances in my life. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Double Portion Podcast with our host, Bishop and Pastor Paul Elder, and our brother, Jeffrey Elder, and then myself. And we also have two guests, but I will let Bishop introduce them when we get to that. Before we jump into this, we want to say thank you for tuning in. We also want to encourage you, reach out to us. Send us a a letter. You can write us, you can text us, you can email us. Snail mail. <clears throat> Snail mail. Uh, no, uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, critiques, reach out to us. You can DM us on Instagram. You can also get to us on the website at cgcpueblo.org forward slash double portion podcast. On on uh, Instagram, it's double portion Podcast, is that the name of the Instagram account? Yes. yes. Okay. So, but anyway, we are going to dive into this today. We are going to be discussing daily devotions, the ins and out of daily devotions, what a daily devotion is, etc. So I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to you, Bishop. Well, we are absolutely delighted to be back with all of you, and it is my honor my privilege to introduce the guests that we have tonight. And the first guest that we have is Reverend Francis Westberg. And Brother Westberg is my father-in-law, but he pastored for 44 years, actually started a church. I believe it was in his living room where you started, or did you have a building when rented, you went there? A little rented building on Main Street. Rented a little building and absolutely started the church. How many people did you have the first service? Well, we had uh, seven, four of my family and three little children. So we are looking at a pioneer pastor that built a wonderful work in Cushing, Oklahoma. Forty-four years he pastored there, and I believe he built the most beautiful church building and a wonderful congregation there in Cushing and many, many other uh, uh, credits to this man. And the other guest that we have is my beautiful wife, Lori Lynn Elder. And we have been married for 37 years, but I've been in love with her since 1980. I believe that is when we met. She was 14 and I was 15. It was at the Augusta Wheat State Campground in Kansas. And uh, she walked in to that youth camp and I have never been the same. And we're just delighted to have Brother Westberg and Sister Elder with us tonight. And we do want to, uh, we want to get into this, if I can get this 
crazy phone of mine to work. And we want to talk about daily devotions. And let me introduce it this way. Uh, I met my wife when I was 15 and she was 14. I went to her house for the first time when I was uh, I was over 16, and I believe it was for her 16th birthday. I think I went one time before that with Stacy. What was his first name? I don't remember. Adams. Tim. Tim Stacy. It was a brief visit that we had, and uh, but the, really the the first time I visited there was uh, for her 16th birthday, and it was my sister and I driving my sister's. 71 Volkswagen Beetle, <laughs> and it broke down on the highway, and Brother Westbrook had to drive quite a ways to come and pick us up because my parents were in Israel at that time, and there was no one that would come, and Brother Westbrook did not even know me, and he was so kind he did that. I don't even know if he remembers or wants to remember, remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it started a relationship with Sister Elder. <clears throat> As we grew closer, uh, and I started evangelizing when I was 17, there were times that I would come and spend a day or so there. And I remember I would try to get up early in the morning and uh, do what I needed to do. I mean early. Brother Westberg worked for Coca-Cola, I believe, for 25 years. And I could never beat him in the living room. He would be in the living room praying when I would get up and go in there. And then after we got married, many, many times that I spent there at the house with them, and this has just been a part of his life for so many years. And one of the character traits of his life that I admire so much is his devotion with God. And my wife uh, probably picked a lot of that up from him and she has her time, so we just want to jump right into these questions today. And the reason I bring that up is because we have people here tonight that are qualified to talk about daily devotions. They have not only uh, done it and lived it, but uh, they have been great examples to all of us. So uh, one of the things that we look at when is young people establishing devotion. And so uh, let's talk about this because so many times uh, I don't think there's enough that's said about developing a walk with God. So Brother Westberg and Sister Elder and whoever, Brother Jeffrey Mitchell, what is the importance of daily devotion to the life of every apostolic believer? Brother Westberg, you can start out on this point. Well, if you want a closer walk with God that has to be built with uh, devotion, and devotion is also is prayer and also Bible reading and Bible study, because that's the way we get to know the Lord. And uh, without that, you're just sort of out in left field. Strelder, you want to come on that? Come in on that. I say that um, you have to eat every day, so or you usually want to eat every day. So that's how important a daily devotion is. There should be some desire somewhere in that day where you want to get along with God, 
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And if you want to have an abundant life, then sometime during that day, you need to eat of the bread of life. Uh, how would we, how would we peak the curiosity of, cause this, this podcast is really for the younger generation and establishing good Christian character traits in the time of their youth. So how could we, how could we, uh, implore them in such a way that they would see the benefit of, of this time with God? I'm, for example, I think that a lot of times our young people do not see the long-term effect of daily devotions. And we talked a little bit about this last week, how that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they developed their love for righteousness at an early age. And later on in life, it sustained Daniel. His righteousness actually protected him when he went in the lion's den. And, and I think that that's some areas that young people, you know, they, they don't always look, they don't always look at the future. So, uh, I think, could you comment on the, the benefit of the long-term effects of, of, of establishing devotion when we're young? The sooner you do it, the better it's going to be and the greater it's going to become. Um, I regret to say that I never really developed a consistent daily devotion with God until I was about 36, 37, and looking back, I regret that now. What motivated you at that age? To... Well, at that point in time in our lives, we were living in the church. We were living in the evangelist quarters, and so I just said to myself, why not? This is a perfect opportunity to get up every day and go pray at the church because we just literally had to get out, get dressed and walk out the front door into the sanctuary. And at that point, there's a lady that was coming to church, Sister Rosemary Garcia, who was a faithful prayer warrior. And I just made her my prayer partner and said, will you meet me at the church and let's pray. And it just grew from there. Bring up a good point. Anybody want to comment? Uh, sometimes it's easier to pray if we have a prayer partner. Uh, that That's a good point, that it might be a way to encourage young people to meet one another at the church for prayer. Have you ever wondered what's at the root of homelessness? I used to try to describe it to my husband that um, I said, I feel like I'm in this big spider web and I'm stuck in there. And how wraparound approaches at missions aim to make a difference? It's the things like that. The people who communicated that in spite of my rough edges, that they authentically cared about me. On the Restorers podcast, we'll talk to experts, investigate current issues, share stories, and give you an inside look at how we at Water Street Mission tackle issues related to homelessness and poverty every single day. Join us by searching Restorers wherever you find your podcasts. Well, you you asked the question, what was it that triggered that in Sister Elder's life? And just me uh, being um, the grandson of 
Francis Westberg and knowing his prayer and devotion every day, I kind of am intrigued. What was it that that caused you to develop that daily devotion with God? Well, I suppose it was when uh, God called me into the ministry. I was about 33 years old before God really dealt me to preach. And uh, I knew I had no formal education. I had read the Bible and prayed, but I didn't have a real close walk with God. But I knew if I was going to have a ministry that I had to get close to God. I could depend on human ability. And so that is what started me uh, developing a, uh, a daily devotion. With, and uh, to you've got to purpose in your heart and in your mind that you are going to have a daily devotion. And then uh, there will be hindrances. But uh, at first it was a duty. I felt like I had to do it. But after you get into the routine or the habit of uh, having a daily devotion, it, it, that's not a uh, duty anymore. It becomes a privilege, and you, you get to where you enjoy and you look forward to that time when you, when you can spend some time with God. Yes, sir. You, you brought up a good point. You talked about there would be obstacles. Can you, can you elaborate some on that? any brother Westberg, sister elder because anytime you set up set out to get closer to god our enemy the flesh our own will and then satan will will obviously try to to discourage us from that paul said in one place there was there was an open door that was set before him but there were many adversaries yeah. so let's let's talk about that cuz young people can get sidetracked real easy the first hindrance that I uh, ran into was the fact that I was working a, a public job and uh, I would get up in the morning and say a little bit of a prayer and then I drove about 50 miles to uh, my job at that time and uh, leave about 6 in the morning and get home about 6 at night and it was, I was crowded for time. and. Uh, my devotions back in those days were pretty short and feeble, but it was a start. But it was a devotion. Yeah, right. that's a big deal. And I think some, you may want to comment because a lot of times kids think they have to start out an hour a day. or But you're making a very important observation there, Brother Westberg, that it, it, even though it was feeble, there was devotion there. Yeah. You established a principle that, I'm going to spend that time with God that, you know, if we could find a way to encourage young people, if you're doing that, don't berate yourself over that. Just have faith that God will help you continue. And it's like Brother Westbrook said, the more time that we spend with God, the more the desire begins to grow. And uh, we begin to see him as he really is, which one creates a desire we want to spend more time with him. right so i think as an encouragement to ch to young people today the main thing i'd say is don't make it hard you're not going to be in a spirit of travail every time you get down to have a devotion with god and you're not going to spend an hour every time 
It's not always going to be deep. Sometimes it's going to feel like it's pretty shallow. And don't be afraid to let your personality shine through. If you're a talker and, and you want to talk a lot, then just go sit down somewhere and talk to God. If you're a listener and you're a good listener, then just go somewhere and sit down and listen because God will, he will talk to you during those times. That's a good point. A few years ago. We went to a uh, deeper life conference way back there in uh, ancient times. <laughs> uh, the teaching there was that you needed to uh, pray at least an hour a day and you needed to fast one day a week. And uh, it was just more or less just a mechanical thing. And uh, uh, I was working and uh, driving at that time quite a ways back and forth to work and I didn't have time to do all that and so it was discouraging because I felt like I was failing but then I realized that uh, having a devotion can't become just a mechanical thing or it's, it's almost useless you, you have to do what like Sister Elder said if, if uh, you if you purpose to pray an hour and you can't do that at first. Why don't beat yourself over the head? Just keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. Do whatever you can, and it'll grow. It'll develop, and uh, it'll become something better if you just stay with it. You know, Brother Westberg, you bring up a great point, and I did see you say. Let me say this, Brother Mitchell. I'm at the age. If I don't say this, I'll forget it. But you know, uh, I I'm not a runner. I don't like to run. Now, my father was a very, very skilled runner. In fact, his he was a cross-country runner, and his high school team set state records in Indiana. I don't know if they're still there. Uh, I was not a long-term runner. I was a sprinter. I never developed the wind to run in long-term like my father did. But even the short little amounts that I did run... I learned that when you first start, you don't have the the wind to run and run and run. You have to build up to it. And while I'm listening to you talk, I think it's the same way with prayer. You may want to start out and you have a grand idea that I'm going to pray an hour a day, two hours or whatever. And But that's, you know, after five minutes, you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs saying, God, what do I say now? You know, because the relationship's not there until we spend time with God. And then as we spend time with God, he said, Henceforth I call you no more servants, for a servant knoweth not what his master doeth. But now I call you friends. Now I'm holding a conversation with a friend. I'm not forcing this conversation. I've spent time with him. I've developed, I've built up that time in reading his word and and talking to him about relationships in my own life and situations in our world. So I think it's, I think that's a great point that you bring up there. Mitchell, I know you had something to say there. What, what, what did you want to say? I was just going to say a few years ago when I was still working at my previous job, the supervisor said something to me. He's, he, he always had a lot of stuff to say. Some of it I just let go in one ear and out the other. He's a good guy, but... But he did say something that I never forgot. It stuck out to me. <clears throat> I don't remember how it came up. But he asked me a question one day. He said, Mitch, 
He said, when's the best time to plant a tree? And then I said, I have no idea. He said, 20 years ago. He said, when's the next best time to plant a tree? I said, I don't know. He said, right now. And I think that's, sure, it's great. It stuck out to me, Papa, or excuse me, brother, grandfather, and <laughs> sister, mom. It stuck out to me that even though you didn't start travailing in the spirit at the age of three, you still started. And I think sometimes we get intimidated because we're like, well, I didn't start when I was... You hear you hear the stories of, well, I got the Holy Ghost when I was five and, you know, I <clears throat> did my... I, I The Lord performed his first miracle through me when I was seven and... But not everybody has that story. But I think back to the question of how do you encourage young people, just start. Just just do it. Just start. I did have a question I wanted to ask you. I'll address it to to brother, grandfather, and then sister, mom. When you are... <clears throat> can you elaborate a little bit more on what the devotion is? Is devotion... Is a daily devotion just prayer or do you include reading your bible in that devotion do you read other i know you can buy for instance i believe sister westberg has actually written a devotional book for young women if i'm correct for children yes sir so do you do you incorporate all that into what are all the aspects of a daily devotional i'll give it a sister elder first shot at that my daily devotion seems to change <clears throat> with the seasons of life that I go through, so I can't say that it's always the same. Right now, I try since um, my grand oldest grandson is in quizzing, and he's a beginner quizzer, and I'm trying to keep up with him and memorize the same verses that he's memorizing so we can have some quality time together, and I can challenge him, and he can challenge me. I try to spend a few minutes each day working on quizzing verses, but it just, there's times that literally I have just went in the sanctuary and just sat because I felt empty. I felt like I had nothing to say and it was just a season in my life, but so I can't say that I consistently read the word of God. I do heard somebody once say that prayer is us talking to God and reading the Bible is God talking to us. So I feel like if you can incorporate both in your daily devotion, that's a plus. I try to spend at least 30 minutes every morning in prayer. And uh, sometimes I run out of things to say to God. And so I fall back on that scripture. It says, be still and know that I am God. And then sometimes uh, 30 minutes goes by and and more, and I'm still uh, feeling the presence of God and, and having a, a good fellowship with Him. And then after after the prayer time, however long it might be, uh, I go out in the living room and sit down in my recliner and uh, read some uh, devotional commentaries. And... Uh, I did that for a while, and the guys that uh, wrote those commentaries, they uh, 
were Trinitarian, and they uh, commented some things, wrote some things that I couldn't really agree with. And so uh, finally I quit reading them, but I took the scripture that they were using as a basis, and I would read that scripture and try to meditate on it and, and glean some things from the, the, you know, from the Bible instead of just some man's idea. So sometimes it goes real smooth and sometimes you struggle, but stay with it because it's worthwhile. It's funny you say that, Brother Westberg. As a young man, I would use those daily devotional commentaries, etc., and actually had friends that would buy them for me. It's just a format. Uh, one of my favorite was J. Sidlow Baxter, his daily devotions. They're still in my library in there. But as like you said, there were issues yeah. that we as one God believers, you know, and what I would do in those encounters, I'd say, okay, God, I know this is not right. Now show me. So it became a learning point for me to, for God to take me in the scriptures and show me this is, this is really my character. Now this man, he's probably a reformationist and his, his theology is orthodox, but this is, this is my theology. Right. And, and so those were encounters, but it may not be everybody don't have the same mentality I have, you know, regarding that. So I, I agree with you. You do need to be careful about uh, how influenced you are by those. And they can take the place of us spending time with God and spending time in his word. And every once in a while they'll say something that's pretty good. They really do. They really, I've actually got sermons from some of those <clears throat> daily devotional books. Something just came to me. Because we're talking about a lot of these that are not oneness believers writing devotionals. And earlier we were talking about what would be the benefits of young people um, developing a life of devotion. I think that right now there are young people that are listening to this podcast. But you're asking what is the benefit of me Developing a daily devotion with God. And I think one of those could be if you become that tree that Brother Mitchell was talking about, you start planting. There will come a day that you could write those daily devotions. And you could be the one that that is saying, look, I've been here for years. I know it's tough sometimes. But... I wanted to let me comment on that before you move on because back in 1985, 86, whatever, somewhere there, Sister Elder and I, my beautiful wife, were preaching for Dr. Bishop Nathaniel Wilson <laughs> at the Rock Church. They had just completed their first new building for the third time. We didn't know that until he told us the story. One time it fell down, the other time they made him tear it down. <laughs> and uh, it actually was a beautiful place. And I had bought the pastor's course 
the first edition. I still have it in my library, <clears throat> the Green Books, if you're Bishop Wilson and you're listening to this. And you can ask my wife. I would spend hours studying, trying to be a better preacher. And so I was frustrated one day, and I went into Brother Wilson in his office, and I said, Brother Wilson, why doesn't somebody write a reference, one God reference Bible? I said, you know, I'm looking at Dake's Bible and mm. Thompson Chains, and, yeah. and Dake openly fights the oneness yeah. in his Bible. He openly opposes it. It's like he got the revelation and he is rejecting it. And uh, I don't know that for a fact. He's dead and I can't ask him. But uh, <clears throat> his spirit still bleeds through what he wrote. It really does. And so. I was telling him this, and he chuckled, and he said, well, we need young men like you to do it. Well, I started, and I, my One God Reference Bible disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. But it's so funny that we do now have the Premier Study Bible. That is phenomenal. This is my collector's edition here. And all of the commentary in this is by oneness apostolic men. Yes. Now, I didn't do it. Bishop Wilson finally did it. So I can actually say he listened to me for once. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just, you just brought that to me. And that was many years later, and I'm sure he's forgot that conversation. But well, it, it's a point of humor. I want to comment on something Brother Mitchell said before we move on. When he's talking about planting a tree, and he mentioned you may not start praying when you're three years old. I just want to say you never know how your daily devotion is influencing someone else because when my sister-in-law, Anna Ballinger now, was three years old, her grandmother lived in their home and she actually slept in the same bedroom as Anna and she would pray all night. And through osmosis or whatever you want to say, mirror imaging the power of the Holy Ghost, it got a hold of Anna, and she would literally pray at that young of an age and travail and intercede. So you never know who you're influencing and the impact you're going to have on them through your prayer. I want to comment on a tree image, too. Uh, a tree that has strength to stand the storms and the wind and uh, all the things that work against it has to have a root system that goes deep. Uh, some trees have a taproot that goes down in the ground as deep as the branches go high. And I believe that uh, in order to be used of God, you've got to have a root that nobody sees your devotion time. But if you've got a good root system, uh, uh, walk with God and a time of devotion, a time of worship, uh, then your, your public ministry that's on display will be a wonderful thing. But if the root system's not there, the tree's going to go down in a storm. Uh, the uh, aspen trees don't have a uh, deep root system but you'll notice they're in groves and their roots all intertwine 
and they strengthen each other. And as a young person, uh, you need to have fellowship with uh, established people in the church. Amen. Not necessarily the, their older ones, but even young people, but, but have for friends uh, people that do have a walk with God yeah. and you can draw strength from each other until you can put down your taproot and uh, grow into a, a ministry that God can use. That is a great, great illustration. Papa, I'm going to borrow that from you. Um, I'll charge you for it. Well, you won't be the first one. <laughs> uh, you know, the, you bring up aspens. Aspens are are actually young trees. They are the first trees that come up after after a, a fire or after a landslide or, or whatever. And that is the strength of them is their ability, their root system is intertwined. And also yeah. the redwoods, even the redwoods that are huge. They don't have a deep root system, but it's the strength of them being intertwined. But the way you brought that out, that young people should get good influences in their life that encourages them to pray, right. encourages them. And I think that was uh, part of my life, which I give credit to my father. He would introduce me to men of God, and thank God there were men of God that paid attention to a kid. And let me encourage ministers, if you're listening to this, uh, don't be too busy to stop and talk to a teenager right? or uh, even a child. You never know the highlights. I grew up in a preacher's home, and the ministers that gave me time and would encourage me are the, still to this day the men and women that I remember. They took time out for a young man and a young lady. So uh, that could be an encouragement to ministers today that, just don't be so busy that you don't have time to stop and and spend time with a young person. You don't really have to say a whole lot. Just pay attention to them and, and yeah. give them the time because this is a very informative time of their life. Are you driven by a desire to create change? Dive into From Passion to Purpose, where we unlock the stories of nonprofit trailblazers. Get inspired as leaders share invaluable tips and transformative tales that empower you to make a lasting impact in your community. Tune in and ignite your passion into purpose today. I like that analogy of the tree and it, it keeps sticking. And Bill Westbrook, you talked about the storms. To tell a joke there. The storms of life <laughs> that come. Yes. So, one of our next questions is this: um, talk about talk about an uptime in your life and a downtime. That devotion got you through both, both an uptime and a downtime. Well, probably the low point in my ministerial life was when we were building our first building in Cushing. Uh, we had the block walls up and the trusses were on the ground waiting to be put up. 
and a group of ministers came from Tulsa over to Cushing one Saturday and uh, helped us and we, we put up 80 some trusses and about five o'clock that afternoon they were it was Saturday and I knew they were had to prepare for uh, services the next day so uh, I told them we had the trusses all up and we had them braced somewhat so I said you guys might as well go home and there was three of us there that could stay so they left and uh, we uh, the three of us uh, two guys were in the church myself uh, we were aligning the trusses, getting them in the right position. They were braced with two, uh, one before us. And uh, I was up on the peak, and there's two guys down on the ground sighting them in. And when I pulled one of those braces, one before braces loose, uh, the mistake we made was we fastened a brace for the first truss on the end to a tree. And a gust of wind came. <laughs> Those trusses all dominoed and fell, and the, the wedge of them pushed the walls out, and they all the blocks fell out on the ground, and then the windows. And I fell about oh, probably 13 feet or something like that onto the concrete floor and uh, in the middle of the trusses. But God was merciful, and I was no broken bones. I just got a cut on my chin. But uh, it uh, it was looking so beautiful, and then just a few seconds, it was tragedy. Uh, we did make the Cushing paper. <laughs> they came out, took a picture of the, <laughs> of the trusses. Oh my goodness! But uh, somehow, when uh, I looked around at all the the destruction, and and it, I began to realize what had happened, and but there was some kind of a peace or a calmness that, that I felt. And uh, it turned out that uh, only two of the trusses were broken and we spliced them back together. The uh, blocks, were able, we were able to clean them up. And I think out of the 12 windows, only two of them loomed and windows, only two of them were ruined. And uh, it wasn't. It didn't turn out near as bad as it looked like it was going to be. But uh, the next the next day, Sunday, uh, my wife and kids, I took them down to youth camp, and I never could stay for camp because I had to work, and I had a big big bandage on my chin where I'd cut that, and they'd taken stitches on the inside of my mouth, not on the chin. And uh, somebody asked me what happened, and uh, I said, well, I just learned how to take it on the chin. <laughs> <laughs> and as, after, after it all began to take shape, uh, there was a, it was a low point, but God gave me peace about it. And uh, we had the walls laid back up, put the trusses back up. We didn't brace them off the tree the second time. <laughs> And it all turned out, well, God took care of the whole thing, even though it was a terrible experience. Yeah. High point, I don't know. Um, I think the high point was just a few weeks before I retired from Passionate Church. 
we were teaching, uh, a couple in our church was teaching an alcohol chemical treatment series. And there was a man that uh, was assigned to come to those classes. He was a, a, a Native American. He uh, had a, a prosthesis on one, one from the knee down on one leg. He was long-haired, beard, and uh, not really clean clothes as he came to class. And... Uh, Brother Jack was teaching him and invited him to stay for church. And so one Sunday, he walked, one Sunday morning, he walked into church. And uh, he had on shorts and beard and straggly hair and just didn't look real nice. And uh, assistant pastor's little girl was, oh, I don't know, five, six, somewhere there. And she walked in and saw Jeff, Jeffrey, his name was Jeffrey, <laughs> saw Jeffrey Nash sitting up there. And she said, she's always beard and his long hair. She said, Look, there's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, got her hushed. <laughs> but the next Sunday when he came in, she said it again, there's Jesus. <laughs> and so my wife she knew that Jeffrey had overheard, so she said, well, no, Mr. Nash said, you've got quite a bit to live up to. <laughs> Long story short, he kept coming to church, and uh, I, I got a, a burden for that guy. And uh, <clears throat> he wanted to be baptized, and so I said, well, Jeff, uh, Let's go look at the baptistry. Let's see if we can figure out a way you can get up those steps with your process. It's off. And so we got up there, and he said, yeah, it's going to be real simple. He just hopped up on the step in one leg and, and sat on the edge of the baptistry, swung his leg over us. He said, it's going to be easy. So I baptized him in Jesus' name a few services later, and he got the Holy Ghost in the, in the water. Wow. And then... Uh, <laughs> One, uh, I think the Bible study night, I just mentioned the scripture, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And next service, he came clean shaven and a short haircut, just a complete different appearance. And he was not really in good health. He had a heart trouble. He had sugar diabetes. And he had... He had uh, shoplifted some things before he got to come to church. And he was to, to appear before the judge on uh, Tuesday. And so I told him, he wanted me to take him over to the courthouse. Or, so I told him I would. So I went over to his house. I, I tried, tried to text him Tuesday morning. I couldn't get him to respond. So I went over to his house, and the neighbor come out and said, well, he said, Jeffrey died last night in the in the night. He said, uh, they just came and took him away. But uh, that's the first person that I'd ever baptized that got the Holy Ghost in the water. Wow. And there was such a transformation in uh, him before he passed away that I just, I really thank God that that happened. We'd never been able to get into the Native American people. We had some uh, colored people, some 
uh, that came and I had a family or two that were interested. We couldn't hardly get into the Native Americans, but Jeffrey Nash, he, oh, he made me feel good. He come walked in that <laughs> Bible study night, clean shaven, short haircut. And he, he said he told somebody when he after got his he said, my pastors are going to be real proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was more, more proud of God than I was of him. <laughs> yes, sir. Sister Elder. A low point was probably last year when I got sick for so long and I didn't know what was going on. And I would come to the church every day and it really wasn't because I was so spiritual. It was just because I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't know who else to turn to. And looking back, that's probably what got me through because it was really dark and I was really low. And I didn't understand exactly why. I look back now, I think that maybe a lot of what I was going through was the after effects of COVID. And it just got worse and got worse. And uh, I brought a lot of it possibly on myself because I was so afraid. But God brought me through it all. And I know it was that daily devotion, that time that I would just come and... Sometimes I'd scream, sometimes I'd cry, sometimes I'd wail out to God. Sometimes I'd just go in the sanctuary and try to sleep because it was quiet and dark in there. And I'd take my blanket and I'd try to sleep because I hadn't slept at all the night before. And I know that's, I know that's what got me through because there was a lot of crazy thoughts that go through anyone's head when they walk through that darkness. They all went through yeah. my head. and God helped me overcome all that. <clears throat> A high point, I don't, I don't know. It, I don't remember the particular time, the particular day, but I remember a time I walked in the sanctuary and I prayed and it was a good day and everything was bright and everything in life was good and and the presence of God was so sweet and so strong and so powerful. And right before I got ready to walk out, I thought, wow, I wish I could just take this presence, this essence. God, I wish I could just take you with me today. I had chores and just running around to do and said, I wish I could just take this with me. And it was like God said, you can. <laughs> and so I said, okay, let's go. And it's like that day, my whole devotion with God just changed in that one day. Whereas before, my devotion time with God was like a little cave that I would run to. It was my refuge. It was my shelter. It was just like this little hideaway, this intimate place with God. But after that day, it was like, it just opened up to be like the Grand Canyon and there was so much more beauty and so much, it was just so much greater. And there was things that I could explore every day. And it was just a revelation from God. And it brought a whole new dimension to my life. You know, you mentioned the time last year, Sister Elder. If you feel comfortable, I know a lot of people. We have people from England that are listening. We have people from other nations that are listening. And we're going through this season 
and many of them feel alone right now. They don't. And I remember my, you know, my encounter with that is, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and you'd be sitting up in bed and you would just be sobbing and saying, I just feel so alone. I don't know what's wrong with me. And I feel like that God has let you bring that up tonight because there are people that are there right now that need some encouragement that this is not, this is not the end. They're not alone. They may seem like it, but, but he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. They may feel like they're alone. They only may see one set of footprints in the sand, and that's because God is there carrying them. Maybe you can talk about how God really helped you. And I know there are times, because we talked about this, that you didn't feel like you could feel God, but you, looking back, what kind of encouragement can you give those people that are listening right now that may be going through that craziness that you and I know that you went through? I remember one day I was upset and really down and I came in this office and I told my husband I said I feel like I can't even pray I don't even have anything to say to God I don't know what to say and he told me he said some of your deepest prayers have no words and that's just exactly where I was at I didn't have yeah. any words to say to God but he was still listening even when I would just go in there and just sit or just literally lay I would mostly just lay on the floor. God was still listening. He was listening to my heart. And he knew every emotion that I was feeling. He knew every thought that I was thinking. He knew every torment that was tormenting my mind. And he was still there. And he's still there for whoever's going through this. That is quite a word. Uh the Bible says to be not weary in well-doing for in due season. And some, sometimes well-doing is just showing up every day. Well-doing is just being faithful to God. And God rewards that faithfulness. Uh, when have you felt the closest to God? Was it during a high time in your life or was it during a low time in your life that you felt like God really was close to you. Can you remember some encounters when you felt that way during uh, a low time or a high time? Or both? I probably felt, I don't know that I felt my closest to God, but I think when we're down, we're more sensitive. We're more apt to be sensitive to God and to His every touch or his every word we're more sensitive when we're down I, it's like a sore if you get a splinter in your finger uh, you realize you, you're more aware of that finger than you are normally when there's no pain there I know speaking for myself personally looking back over my life there have been some encounters where I've suffered depression deep depression depression so deep it's like I had tunnel vision. All I could see was what was in front of me, and the rest of it was dark. Uh, I don't know that a lot of people feel comfortable talking like this, but I can tell you during those times, 
I have felt really close to God uh, during those during that season. The closest I felt to God is when I was preaching or when I was praying. Yeah. And then when I get out of that position, it was back like as like I walked back into that dark tunnel. It was like God reassured me, just keep walking through it. Just keep yeah. going through it. It's just a season in your life. One of the greatest expressions I believe in the Bible is it came to pass. Right. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Yes. Scripture that keeps going through my mind listening to everyone talk is, I believe it was the Apostle Peter where he said, casting your cares upon him for he careth for you. We, if we're not careful, we think that scripture is just go to Jesus and say, hey, this is what's going on, and then you leave. But Dad taught Brother Jeffrey and I firsthand what it is to actually cast something, and that was through the stacking of endless amounts of bales of hay. <laughs> and so now when I think of the word cast, it, when he says cast your care, you can immediately, a care is a burden, and a burden is heavy. And so when you go to God, there is the carrying of that weight to God. And then there is the picking up of that weight and throwing it on God. It's not an easy thing. And sometimes... We feel like we throw that care, cast your care upon God. We feel like we throw it on God and it just rolls back down to our feet. Yeah. I, I very clearly remember a time in my life when things got really dark. The only way I made it through that is I was so little I didn't understand anything about all of life. <clears throat> in fact, I would just sit at my, my desk at school and cry and brother Hicks was probably like what's wrong with this little kid he's such a crybaby um and I was fighting a lot of things that I don't think a 10 year old kid should have to fight but the only out that I found I didn't I couldn't tell you that Peter wrote that I didn't know that scripture was in there the only out I could find is that I knew that mom would pray in the church every morning it was probably during the same time when we lived at the church I knew that mom would pray every morning, so I would put my put my little American flag up, because <clears throat> the American flag is to go do stuff. The Christian flag is if you have questions. If you didn't go to AC, you have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about right now. But we don't know what the Canadian flag is for. <laughs> <laughs> so or the English flag, or wherever you are. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The American flag was to do stuff. I don't know what y'all's flag is for, but anyway, we would we would raise our, we'd put the American flag up, and Brother X would come by, and I just tell him. Sometimes I couldn't even word it without crying. I just tell him, Brother Hicks, I'm going to pray. It wasn't really a, a question. I was telling him I was going to pray, and Brother Hicks was so gracious to let me do that, and I didn't know how to pray, so I would just go upstairs, and I'd just go kneel down next to Mom and listen to her pray, and in doing that. God began to teach me that, yeah, there's, when you cast a care, it's heavy, there's a burden. But if you'll keep coming to him and you throw it, sometimes it feels like you're trying to throw a a 100-pound hay bale over the top of a mountain. But eventually, if you keep casting that care, eventually it will stay. 
it won't roll back down to your feet. Brother Mitchell brings up a good point about listening to others pray. If there is someone in your church or your congregation or just a friend or someone you know that really encourages you in prayer, don't be afraid to go kneel down beside them and just listen to them pray. My husband recently took a second church in northern Colorado, and there's already someone up there that really encourages me in prayer. When I walk in, I like to just take a moment and listen to them pray because you can tell that they have a very intimate relationship with God. God is their best friend, and it's such an encouragement. So don't be afraid to just listen to others pray. I think to a certain extent, listening to someone else pray is devotion. It's like listening to a beautiful song and how it blesses you. I think somewhere you do have to respond because we can't just be passive. But I think that's an important thing. I, the cadence and the the love, the devotion that is pouring out of those people to God, it touches me. We were there last night. Or yesterday morning, I had a baby dedication, and it was my week to preach up north. And there was a man's little girl that was on the front row. I don't know if my wife saw her. When the music started, that little girl just raised her hands and began to weep and worship God. I don't think she's five years old. But I can't tell you, that was devotion to me. I was so blessed and moved by God watching that little girl worship God, you know, so that's an important part as well. All of this is devotion. We get so religious and we think we have to have this, this, you know, catechism or we got to have some kind of uh, saying or whatever, but we're, we're, we're touching our father. And Jesus talked about prayer being so intimate. He said, when you pray, you say, and our English Bible says, our father, but it literally is Abba, which is not even a word. It's a mimicry. It's like a little child saying Dada or Daddy. And Jesus wants that intimacy with us. And we don't have to be older. We can learn this at a very early age. There's a question that I do want to ask that is not on the list, so I know I'm throwing it on you. But In talking about daily devotion and prayer, we are unashamedly apostolic young people that are listening to this podcast and so i want i want to bring out the importance of praying in the spirit because uh, there is a place where you no longer speak the words of human vernacular but you go to a place in god bible says that we speak mysteries in the spirit so why don't you elaborate on where is that place? Maybe you can explain it or maybe you can't, but where is that place, that that switch in you? Well, sometimes a need will come, uh, a, a person's circumstances that you can't do anything about, but they're severe, and you know they're severe. And you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to ask God to do. And 
sometimes the word, the burden, the, the feeling for them gets so heavy that you just, you can't express it. And that's the time when uh, the Holy Ghost will take over and, and you begin to speak in a different language and and you feel released. You don't know what you're saying, but you feel released for that person because uh, actually the Holy Ghost is making intercession. You can't make intercession yourself, but that the Spirit of God can do that and yeah. will do that. Yeah. There have been times that I've been praying in tongues and all of a sudden it will change, like the language or the cadence or whatever will change and then it'll pop in my head that oh I sound just like so and so when they pray in tongues and for some time I didn't understand that and then it was like one time God just spoke to me and said the reason that's happening is because you are interceding for that particular person I do believe in that I, I know many years ago uh Never forgot, I wasn't there, obviously. My grandmother had just came to the truth. My grandma elder is really the reason that our immediate family is where we are today. Now, I have connections to Pentecost, but it was my grandma, my dad's mom, that really was the effect of us being where we are today my grandpa was an alcoholic he was addicted to wine in the old days they called him winos and he would be okay for a while and then he would go on binges and it was a very difficult time when my grandmother came into the church because he made it hard on her he was very abusive extremely abusive and my Aunt Becky had just been born, which was her last baby. And she was very, very young. And my grandmother related this story to me when she came out and stayed with us. I had heard it before, but I heard it from her mouth. And it was just so much pressure. I really believe that Satan was trying his best to destroy her faith. And she was at home one day and she went to take care of Becky and Becky had died. They think it was crib death. They don't know how long she had been dead, but she was rigor mortis had set in. She was dead and my grandmother snatched up my Aunt Becky and began to wail and say, God, I cannot take this anymore. And there were other you know, obviously, in this short encounter, trying to preserve as much time for our guests as possible, uh, just all of the pressure that had mounted up, and she clutched my Aunt Becky very close to her bosom and just began to wail. As Brother Westbrook had said, she knew not what to pray, so the Spirit took over and began to make intercession for her. And the Holy Ghost spoke to her. I don't know how medical this is, but when God says something, it becomes medical. The Holy Ghost spoke to her while she was praying in tongues and said, go over to that tub of water she was doing the wash. That was before washing machines. And he said, dip that child in that water. And she went over and she dunked Rebecca in that child. 
when Rebecca had come out of the water, she was sputtering and breathing like somebody that had been under the water. And for whatever reason, that act of faith that came about with her speaking that language that we're talking about, it's extremely important. Jeffrey said that the Bible says we pray and we we pray these howbeit we speaketh mysteries. Yeah, yeah. And and, and Paul also said we know not what ought we should pray, so yeah. the Spirit maketh intercession for us. And then in another place, he said, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. That word edify literally means he builds himself up. Strength. There is strength and building there. And so this is a tremendous encouragement to don't be intimidated, whoever we're talking to uh, in this podcast. Don't be intimidated to let the Holy Ghost take over in that prayer time. There is powerful strength that comes when we pray in the Holy Ghost. One thing I'd like to add about daily devotions is you need to have a regular time and a regular place as much as possible. Sometimes you can't do that. But it... I've got a regular time that I get up, and as soon as I'm dressed, I go in the spare bedroom and shut the door. Because the Bible says go to your closet, but I go to our spare bedroom <laughs> and shut the door. And as much as possible, I try to stay at the same time of day and in the same place. And it becomes, uh, uh, I guess you'd call it a habit, but it's a good one. Yeah. But if you if you think, well, I'm going to do devotion, but I don't have time this morning, so I'll do it tonight. No, that's not good. The, the enemy will steal your time at night, too. So a regular time, a regular place, if at all possible. That is bringing me to the next question. Is it important to be at the house of God, the church, or where is the best place you feel to have daily devotions? And Brother, Brother Westbrook, you did answer that. As a portion, I know a lot of people feel like, you know, they need to come to the church. I don't have a problem with that either. Elaborate on that some, both of you, you know. If it's easy, uh, I don't know if easy is a good word, but if, if it's convenient to, if you have to drive through five, ten miles to get to church, it's probably not feasible. But if you can get to church to pray, that's a wonderful place to pray. A lot of times at home, uh, doorbells ring, phones, and there's some distractions that the enemy will throw at you. So if if you if the church is can be a regular time and regular place, it, that's wonderful. But if not, find some place where it can be regular time, regular place. I agree with you. I think that every individual has to work that out for themselves. Right. It's easy for me to get to the church, so it seems to be, I seem to have a better time of devotion if I come here than if I'm at home, because if I'm at home, I'm thinking this needs to be done and that needs to be done. And as far as young people, I would like to encourage you, when you come to pray, just set your phone aside, because our phones tend to be a major distraction in our lives, notifications and calls, texts, emails, Instagram messages, all this stuff. They'll just maybe set your phone on the back pew and go to the front to pray for a while. And 
It's not important whether you pray five minutes or 30 minutes, so you don't really need to be work looking at your phone to see right. what time it is. Just set it aside and, and focus on God. I like to have music playing as I pray, low-volume low music that's... Uh, I think uh, entering these gates with thanksgiving, the courts with praise, and praise music is a wonderful way to keep your focus when you're trying to pray. I agree. It's so funny you say that, Brother Westberg. You say, I like to have music low volume. Well, when I come here when Melody is praying, she's got that music so loud you can't hear yourself think. But she's praying. Yes. So, you know. <laughs> if they enjoy it. Exactly. I'll endure it. <laughs> <laughs> if it helps them get next to God. Right. And, you know, and I know there's a lot of people that think there's preconceived ideas. I do know that music played a major role in ministry because, which one was it, Elisha? Before she, he would bring the Word of God, he said, bring me a minstrel. Let them play. And music is a powerful source and medium to usher in a spirit of worship. whose gates with singing and whose courts with praise. That's good. One thing that I see in all of this, and I, I know we all have personal devotional lives that we are, are doing our best to get closer to God. One thing that I see is as you go along, you realize that what you need is what will come out. And so, you know, I, I know growing up, we've heard it, you know, you need to pray this amount of time. Well, I think, young person, if you're listening right now, just begin, like we talked about, and then let it develop. Because every relationship is different. My parents' marital relationship is not the same as my marital relationship. We have, you know, we, we talk differently. We... Me and my spouse talk differently. So if we try to just, you know, we can glean stuff from other people. But if we try to just align our relationships <laughs> the same, it might turn out to be disastrous. I heard Bishop Wilson say, <clears throat> I don't know if anybody's catching this, but his name seems to come up a lot. But, hint, hint. You should probably have him on a podcast. We're working on it. You should probably go get his books and read them if you haven't. <clears throat> probably have to read them a few times before it all comes together. I heard him say, if you emulate a man in every one of his actions, you will emulate his faults. He said the best thing to do is just find the highlights. Find where it fits in your life and take it. Plug it in and then the rest of it, just be yourself. Let that man be who God called him to be, and you go be who you called to be. But if you get so caught up in emulating every single thing that someone does, you begin to emulate their faults and their failures. Because we're all human, we make mistakes. The Apostle, well, I believe it was the Apostle Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews. If you don't, that's, you need to come and, and study for me. I'll help you out with that. But anyway, <laughs> the Bible program I'm listening. To, Jesse was laughing at me. Listening to, I was listening to Hebrews the other day, and it introduces it. it says the writings of the Apostle Paul, and I was like, hmm, well, that's a little subliminal hint they're dropping. <laughs> In Hebrews 13, we always quote 
verse number 17, which says, Obey them which have the rule of you over you, as they that must give an account, as one that must give an account for your soul. But Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 7 says, To remember them which have the rule over you, whose faith follow. So what you were saying, Brother Mitchell, reminded me, now that you said that, I remember Brother Wilson saying that. But if we'll follow their faith, we won't fall subject to their failures. Don't follow their failures, follow their faith. Right. And uh, I, I think there's important people. Now, we may be talking to young men and young ladies that are not in the church, and they don't have access to go to the church. Maybe they're restricted by parents or for whatever reason. Maybe we're talking to somebody in a, that's incarcerated or whatever. I'll tell you, there are no walls right. that can hold out Jesus Christ. Right. And this is made very clear. When the apostles were locked in a room after the crucifixion and everybody thought he was dead, there were no walls, there were no bars, there were no restrictions that can hold Jesus out. If you want to get to Jesus, I don't care where you are, you can get to Jesus. Yes. And and that's what these devotions are all about. It's not to be religious. It's not to be holier than anybody else. This is a this is getting to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you can take him with you anywhere you go. You can take him on a shopping trip, you can take him on a road trip, you can take him to the coffee shop. So don't be afraid to step out of the box and say, okay, God, for my daily devotion, we're going to go down to Starbucks and have a cup of coffee. Whenever we would go to our friend's house as little kids, my dad would look at us and say, be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I Every still day. believe that. That's right. A couple weeks ago, I was driving home from Denver. I was praying. Apparently, I, would, I don't know, but apparently I was pretty animated. I know I was crying my eyes out. I was singing at the top of my lungs, and I looked over, and this lady was looking at me. We're going 80 mile an hour back from Denver to Pueblo, and she's looking at me like, this kid has lost his mind. We had, had the mind of Christ. And just kept right on doing that. She thought you were about to drive off the road on purpose or something. You know, prayers don't have to be so formal and uh, for for God to hear them. Sometimes, you know, I was... I was working for Coca-Cola, driving down the road, going to my next job, and it was a beautiful summer day, blue sky, and nice white fluffy clouds, and I was looking at those clouds, and I just sort of said to myself, I wonder what it would be like to see them from the top side. And not very many days after that, I got a phone call, and uh, ended up with a free, first time I'd ever flown commercial airline, I got a uh, a free flight to Louisiana. Wow. And uh, my brother-in-law, Jerry Little, he and I both got the same opportunity. And we were in that airplane flying, and I looked down at those clouds, and I remembered what I'd said. I, it wasn't a prayer, but God fulfilled it. That's right. You know, that is so true, Brother Westbrook. <clears throat> and... This church has heard me tell the story about the church building that we had on 26th Street. And I, I distinctively remember, uh, it's time for us to quit. 
I distinctively remember praying when I first came here as a young man, 26-year-old man, and the pressure was so great because of the bills, stuff that I did not know that I would encounter as a pastor. And I prayed over that building and said, God, it'd be so nice to own that building, debt-free. Well, 20 years later, we got that building. It was part of the, the package of us when we sold our church. And little did I know that that building probably saved me from going to prison, saved our church. And, and I didn't even know. I was praying the will of God. Had no clue that I was praying the will of God. I was just under a lot of pressure and thought, man, it'd be nice to have this building <clears throat> debt free. Well, God knew what to put in my heart to pray. And I bring that out because so many people struggle with faith. They think, well, God will hear Brother Westbrook's prayer. And God will hear Sister Elder's prayer. But I don't have that kind of influence with God. Yeah. But I want to assure whoever's listening to this, you do have that kind of influence yes. with God. He does hear your prayer. He will answer your prayers. Amen. It, you, you are very important to God. You are extremely important to God, whoever we're talking to. Yeah. Your devotions are huge in the mind and the eyes of God. Yes. And you don't have to be on your knees travailing to get a prayer answered. No. Just a simple, just vocalize a simple request wherever you are, whether you're in your car or whether you're mopping the floor or whatever you're doing, working on your job. Tell God what you need or what you want, and He'll hear you. Let me tell you one more prayer that wasn't a prayer that God answered. Uh, there was a man in our church in Cushing that uh, was the manager of a grocery store over in Stillwater. And uh, another grocery store came and uh, hired him at an increased salary. I mean, a huge jump in pay. And uh, Brother Barry was telling me about that blessing he got and i just said boy i'd sure like to try that for a while and it about i don't know just a few paydays later i got a raise on uh, my job with coca-cola and i thought well that's I, I needed that i deserved that that should have been coming and but about two paydays later, i got another raise and i got another raise it just kept happening about every two three weeks and uh God was letting me find out what it was like. But to make a long story short, uh, the uh, Oklahoma City Coca-Cola had bought out Cushing, and uh, they raised me as a serviceman. They they started raising my pay up to match the ones in Oklahoma City. Wow. <laughs> so it was just like what had happened. But when I said that, I never thought it happened, but it just started happening. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm through. <laughs> I remember, since we're all telling stories now, I remember for my 12th birthday, because for my <clears> 10th <throat> birthday, Dad gave me a pocket knife. I still have that pocket knife. Maybe I'll give it to one of my kids one day for their 10th birthday. I remember that because Dad said we couldn't have a pocket knife till we were 10. That was probably a good thing, because I almost cut my finger off many times anyway. <laughs> But I remember, yeah, we went to the ER a few times with you and Jeff. I remember for my 12th birthday, Mom and Dad bought me a Game Boy. And I remember 
I remember exactly what the backpack looked like. I won't explain it right now. But basically, the backpack, you used to be able to buy a backpack that had wheels on the bottom. Those aren't cool right now, so they're out of style. But We had one that had a gorilla on it. And I remember I lost my Game Boy, and I was so mad. I've searched for like eight hours. It frustrates me because in the way my mind works, if you find a place for something, you always put it there, you never lose it. So then when I went to that place and the Game Boy was gone, I lost my temper pretty quick. And I couldn't find it, I couldn't find it. Finally, I mom told us to go to bed or something, I don't know. And, you know, we say our prayers before bed, so it's, you know, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. And I remember praying. I said, God, I can't find this Game Boy. You're going to have to find it for me. And I went to sleep, and about, I don't know, because you don't know how fast time goes when you were asleep. But <clears throat> I had a dream, and in the dream, I was looking for the Game Boy. And I got out of the bed, and I walked over to the backpack in the dream, and I unzipped one of the zippers, and I pulled the Game Boy out, and then the dream ended. And I woke up. And I got out of the bed, and I walked over to that backpack, and I unzipped that zipper <laughs> and pulled the Game Boy out. And I said, thank you, God, and I went and got back into bed. And went to sleep. Yes, yes. So the moral of the story is Mitch was looking for his Game Boy because he was going to be under the covers playing all night. <laughs> that has happened. We've because caught him. That was Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, well, on the Game Boy, you could turn the brightness down and turn yep. the volume down. Mom and Dad never knew. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> Play all night. I have one short, funny story that happened recently. I think Jeff and Kate had taken a trip. I think they were preaching in Tennessee, and they had taken our car and so I was driving their car and I don't know what I ran over or what I did but within the first day I had a flat tire so <laughs> we got all Mitchell came and helped and my husband helped and we got the flat tire fixed and so then the next day or a couple of days later I got in the car to start the car and it wouldn't start and I was frustrated at that point and kind of aggravated and so I was I don't remember what message came up something to the effect that something was wrong with the key fob or something so i was like oh and i didn't say anything out loud just in my head i thought oh god could you help me right now and so i went to push the electronic start button again and the car started right up and as soon as the car started the radio came on and this deep male voice said you're welcome. <laughs> and then it went on to some random ad that had nothing to do with the you're welcome. <laughs> uh, oh, God's got a sense of humor, too. That he does. That he does. I really enjoy these stories because I think it shows young people that God really does care. And he will answer in your real-life situation. It don't always have to be a religious setting you know it, it i think you gotta as brother westbrook said we need to have that set place where we go every day but this conversation with god this devotion with god is ongoing during the day we laugh yeah we talk to him we hear songs that motivate us to worship him uh i try to keep my mind as pure i don't listen or or see a lot of news anymore uh, because it's so negative 
uh, and it is so disrespectful to other people. So much of what they're calling news now is ad hominem attacks on the people that disagree with you. And I I just think there's a better way to disagree with somebody yes. than try to slander them and tear them down. And, and, and so uh, I do keep up with the news enough to know what's going on in the world, but I just, I'd rather spend that time with the Lord and... Uh, in uh, creative ways that I can become a better person and be more productive in her life. So that this devotion idea, it, it, it stems out of that particular time with God, but it just continues on into our day. Amen. Well, what an incredible podcast we have had. And I know that this is going to go to, to many that are listening and wherever you're at. Um, tune in and or, or rather comment in something that would have happened in your life is that your alarm it's not my alarm Papo is your alarm going off again not me not guilty my lord I think maybe the lord is coming <laughs> get ready that's a weird sounding trumpet <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for interrupting you there. Michael should have warmed up before he blew that. (laughs) (laughs) So wherever you're at, comment on something that may have happened because of devotion, a high time, a low time in your life that it brought you through. And in in the days ahead, we're going to be looking at some very special guests to be with us. Also, you want to tune in to... Passing the Torch Conference, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. You can do that via our YouTube channel, CGC Pueblo Live. Or you can tune in through the podcast, uh, CGC Pueblo Podcast app. Or you can tune in through our very dear friends, Holy Ghost Radio. We will be on Holy Ghost Radio Channel 1. And God is going to be moving in a powerful way in that. And we will catch you on the next one. God bless every single one of you.